0: A Word for Today, Lion's Down's daily podcast to help you abide in Jesus by seeing to it that his word abides in you. Nothing could matter more. This isn't to replace your personal Bible reading and prayer, but rather encourage and help you in it. Welcome back to A Word for Today. It's Wednesday the 3rd of February and we're going to read 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 6. What we're looking at here are examples that Peter gives of the fact that God knows what is going on in the world today, and that he is not inactive. And what he's doing at the moment is giving us examples from the past of his judgment against those who rebel against him. And so far, he's considered that pre-creation judgment of God when he cast into uh, Tartarus or uh, Sheol or Hades Uh, in chains of gloomy darkness, as verse 4 goes, those angels who rebelled against God. And then in verse 5 we saw how he uh, uh, judged the antediluvian, the ancient world, as verse 5 describes it, um, a world uh, which was completely destroyed by the flood. And by the way, the reality and truth of that global flood is amply attested by the global Uh, fossil record, and then uh, he gives a third example, in the past, of his judgment. Now, all these examples of God's judgment in the past are there, not just to show us that God has acted in the past, but to guarantee that he will act in judgment in the future. So I'm going to read to you now uh, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 6. If, by turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes, he condemned them to extinction, making them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. Now, this is describing what is recorded in Genesis chapters 18 and 19, the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. In that uh, beautiful, formerly fertile uh, Jordan Valley, the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, their sins rose up to heaven, we are told, and God destroyed them. He poured out upon them fire and fire, and sulfur that, in the words of verse 6, reduced those cities to ashes. They were condemned to extinction. It's a terrible picture of the suddenness and consuming nature of God's punishment upon wickedness. And uh, we see in these uh, three examples the casting of the rebellious angels into hell, the flooding of the antediluvian world, and then in the modern world, the post-flood world, we might say, the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. There we have three concrete, copper-bottomed, historical examples of God's judgment, showing that God's judgment has happened in every age, in every situation, it's covered every category of being, it's universal, it's inevitable, it's inescapable, it is sudden, and unexpected. It is devastating in its effect. It's complete. Uh, There are no survivors. And that has been demonstrated in history. But all this points now to what is going to happen to the future. And that's what comes at the end of verse 6, which says this, making them, that's referring back to Sodom and Gomorrah and probably Uh, to the two previous examples, the ancient world and the angels who rebelled against God, making them, verse 6 says, an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. That is looking ahead to future judgment. And it's saying that future judgment is certain to happen. Do you notice that phrase, until the judgment, that ended verse 4, ends verse 9, until the day of judgment. So this is all looking forward to a judgment in the future, a judgment that is inescapable, a judgment that is absolutely certain. It's destined as a fixed appointment and is unavoidable by all. So we've seen past and we've seen future. What about the present? Well, we need to come back to verse 9 to see actually what verse 9 says. You see, it says, To keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment. So it seems there that verse 9 is expressing what God is doing now to the unrighteous. The unrighteous, by the way, describes those who are not in relationship with God through the means He has provided. They have not been justified, their sins have not been paid for, they are not living for His glory, they are in a state, a natural state, of rebellion to Him. And God is doing something to them now. He is keeping them under punishment. What does that mean? You know, many people have raised with me uh, the question of what is the psychological condition of false teachers. Do they wake up in the morning and say, tee-hee-hee-hee, I'm a false teacher. I'm going to try and mislead as many people as I can today. Well, of course, no, that's not the condition of false teachers. It's much more complex than that. And we get a description of that if we look at 1 Timothy uh, chapter 6. So I'm going to read to you now uh, a little section of scripture from 1 Timothy chapter 6, where uh, Paul writes this. It's under the heading, by the way, of false teachers and true contentment. Teach and urge these things. If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound, that means healthy, faithful, words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, that's referring to gospel teaching, he is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. That's a brilliant description of the false teacher, puffed up with conceit and understanding nothing. Those two absolutely go together. The most fertile seedbed of conceit is ignorance and how the two fit so neatly together. Verse 4 goes on. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, and constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. And you see, that last phrase is describing absolutely the false teacher. Godliness, that's to say an appearance of commitment to the gospel, is how they make their living. They work from the inside, and uh, they are false. They are pursuing their own ends, their own gains, as we've seen Peter has uh, described in here in chapter two. And it's that phrase, depraved in mind and deprived of the truth, that describes the psychological condition of the false teacher. You see, to the one who is depraved in mind, it describes a person whose intellectual and moral uh, processes have kind of disintegrated or they are breaking down. Their rationality and their perception is beginning to come apart at the seams because they are rejecting the truth. There is a consequence to that. God's judgment is in action through that. Those who deliberately and cold bloodedly reject the truth pay a price now. God's judgment isn't just something in the future. It is something that is happening now. And that breakdown, that moral and intellectual breakdown, that disintegration of their... Uh, faculties of mind leads them not only to being depraved in mind, but as a result deprived of the truth. It closes their access to truth. It's like the drawbridge to truth is pulled up. They can no longer understand the truth even when their noses are rubbed in it, we might say. Now this is a terrible judgment of God upon false teaching now that removes even the capability of understanding what God is saying. That's, by the way, why Jesus uh, commanded his disciples to leave false teachers alone. It's why Paul commands Timothy to leave them alone. It's the great message of the Bible. Don't waste your time with false teachers because they are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth. You cannot get through to them. God's judgment is in action against them. And that's what verse 9 says when it says to keep the right, the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment. That's God's judgment now. He is holding them under that punishment until the day of judgment. So it's a very terrible picture that God is not inactive now. He does know what's going on, and he is in action against false teachers and those who follow them. Heavenly Father, please, by seeing this, would you encourage us to be faithful to the truth, knowing that you understand what's going on, you know very well what's going on, and you are in action, very terrible action, in judgment, even now. Please help us to be faithful to you, knowing this. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. A word for today helping you abide in Jesus by seeing to it that his word abides in you. This podcast was brought to you by Lionsdown at lionsdown.org.